The future will be great, but today is just as incredible. Meet Nissan's most advanced lineup. If you can't get enough adrenaline, there's the all-new 400-horsepower Nissan Z. Or for your off-road adventures, it's time to check out the all-terrain Nissan Frontier. If you're more of a spontaneous road trip type of person... Hop in the Nissan Pathfinder. And if uh, you're looking for something more electric, there's the stylish Nissan Aria. So, let's enjoy the ride. 2023 Aria and Z not yet available for purchase. Expected availability this spring for the 2023 Z and this fall for the 2023 Aria. All right, how long gone? Uh, a beautiful Tuesday morning in sunny Los Angeles. Uh, Jason, how is it over there in Glendale? Each day more beautiful than the last over here in Glendale, man. It's a, a utopian society. Yeah, we, uh, um, we're recovering from last night. We went out to a, a television screening brought to you, powered by the illustrious FX Network. Shout out to our friends at FX and, and uh, also, yeah, The Bear uh, coming soon. We saw two episodes. Uh, friend of the program, Maddie Matheson, is a producer and also has a nice bit part. Um, and uh, the show is good, bro. I gotta say, I, 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 I go into all things like this being like, this is gonna suck, <laughs> um, which usually it does, but I was pleasantly surprised. I, I like the show and I plan to watch it. You latch onto the show, which does a good job at depicting the restaurant industry world. I don't think, I, I can't think of any other show or movie that nails it other than Big Night or Ratatouille. <laughs> uh, my, as my brother, my brother was like, Ratatouille did the best job of what it's like in a restaurant. But at the end of the day, it is a cartoon mouse. So we have to have something else to latch on to, you know? <laughs> Look, I got to give credit where credit is due. And Ratatouille is the Anthony Bourdain of cartoon mouses. Ratatouille that- did, a, did a very good job. Don't sleep on, don't sleep on it. I didn't, I didn't see that film, but it, it, it uh, the, <laughs> The bear. Thanks for calling it a film. The bear stars. Uh, his name is Jeremy Allen White, I believe, who you might recognize from Shameless. He's the teen son on Shameless. As like a hot chef who, after a a stint at Noma and other you know Michelin star tweezer restaurants, he's come back to Chicago to take over his brother's um, hot dog restaurant. <laughs> Is that you know so so he's going through it as you can imagine um but but uh it's it's it was good and the music I mean I, I don't want to spoil anything for you but the first episode the first thing you hear is new noise by refused mm-hmm. so if that doesn't set a tone Jason I don't know what I don't know what will well you know? I have one bone to pick with that it was nice to hear that but it was only and it was featured a couple times in the episode it, it was only the intro. But it never, yeah, never the drop never drops. Get ice cream. Yeah, I know. The drop know. never drops. Speaking of the drop never dropping, how bad is the new Beyonce song? Just quickly, just quickly. <laughs> I swear to God, if these fucking pop stars don't undiscover dance music, we're in for a bleak future, Jason. And I know that as a representative of the, of the dance and EDM community, I need you to comment directly on this. Okay, if you could on the record, I, I can do on the that. Record, I can okay. do that on the. This is on the record. Yeah. Well, number one, pop music and dance music have been intertwined since before we've been born. So sure, this is sure. this is not anything. Sure. But new. you know what I mean. Don't 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 do this, Jason. <laughs> Come on, though. You know there's something. I know going what you on. mean. I mean it's just you know the the ebbs and the flows. We're we're about to enter a recession. COVID is over, so people want to party and celebrate. It's it's a reaction to the kind of codeine rap, mm-hmm. you know, slowed down, reverbed, blah 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 shit. 
and people just want to dance. Unfortunately, I don't know. I mean, it's 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 not it's nothing new. But why isn't it good? <laughs> That's fine. All of all, I think you're thinking. I think you're thinking is absolutely correct that mm-hmm. it is a response to kind of the like. Well, wh- why why isn't popular music good? It's never good. That's not true. That's the thing. It, it's been good historically. <laughs> as I was reminded last night at our screening when I heard the Counting Crows and, and, and Wilco in the show. You know what I mean? It reminds you. <laughs> I just think the through line here is that, that the codeine rap phase produced a lot of boring music with no choruses. Mm-hmm. And it seems like the dance music craze is doing the same thing. For these types of artists, Drake and Beyonce, you know, people who are the largest. Mm-hmm. Uh, most successful money-making musicians in the world those you know the music that they make is a product not really an art form anymore so it's yeah, being fair. decided fair. and chosen on by you know a bunch of suits at record labels who think this is where the this is where the zeitgeist is moving and then in a year and a half two years this wave will peak and then we'll all be riding it and Beyonce and Drake are the ones who told you about it. That's kind right. Of thing. That's right. Well, at so least I think that, you know they're banking on a vibe shift and an investment in their future as a record label, and and I don't know how much art is attached to that. I just think that the the chorus as a part of a song has been hammered into the the brain of 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 people, and they're looking for it. And I think that like, and when, when you say people, you mean you? No, no, I mean the world in general. If you're a regular ass person who listens to the radio, that's what music is to you. So when you hear a song without it, I do believe that you notice, but the artist is so big and you're also hardwired to think it's good mm-hmm. that you just think it's good without any criticality. Maybe maybe something that you haven't noticed that you are pushing back on is maybe the globalization of popular music and moving away from the Americanization of, of stuff. Well, that's, I mean, sure, but all the biggest stars in the world when it comes to music, except for Bad Bunny, are American. I mean, if you look at the charts, that's just the facts. The global charts. I mean, I, I think that I think that the music industry is putting a lot of money and investment into, you know, lots of other countries, lots of other parts of the world. Sure, Latin sure, America, sure. America, sure. Asia, and Europe are sort of like, hey, the, this is this is we're in the driver's seat now, kind of thing. The way that Republicans have taken yeah, no, the democracy that's probably back. True. That's probably kind of like this. <laughs> so, like the the Drake album, the Beyonce songs, like they're going to do really well in other parts of the world who are not so chorus dependent. Yeah, no, that's true. That's, so like that's, this Drake album, true. I that's... think people, you know, when you listen to the radio in America, it's just like Taylor Swift type shit. And, you know, just these are the hits. These are the pop hits. This is the Harry Styles song. This is the Bad Bunny song, whatever. And in Europe and other parts of the world, you listen to the radio and you're hearing songs with no choruses. You're hearing six, six and seven minute dance songs and that's a part of their culture and it's normal whereas in america we're like don't bore us get to the chorus well i guess that makes me a true american but that beyonce song to get back to the point the beyonce song isn't good (laughs) and there's a bad rap verse and it's like it's it's rough we listened to it on the way home last night after we dropped you guys off and i was just uh, we were both like this is not good for me, for a Beyonce song, I will gladly take it because I typically don't like Beyonce's dance songs at all because I've always thought that they're dance songs that that a lot of people won't be able to easily dance to. So like mm. they're they're very kind of like fast and spastic and they're songs that are meant to do 
choreographed dance routines to sure and not songs to like that a normal person can just like go to a club and dance to because it's like 160 bpm like oh let's sing a letter yeah no no i no, know it's like it, 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 most people are like uh I, I can't catch this yeah but at least i don't know those songs felt like they had a point to them this one doesn't i mean i i think it's like <laughs> using a big recognizable sample like house sample and all that shit like i just want it to hit harder if you're gonna make that swing she should have got yeah so drake beyonce instead of getting in the lab with these snoozers Let's get in the lab with fucking Skrillex and like why why are we beating around the bush if you're gonna do it fucking do it exactly let's bring up the you remember the Skrillex Rick Ross song that is a fucking classic song the thing about Skrillex is he understands the assignment <laughs> the thing about Sonny is that he understands <laughs> the assignment no but uh yeah anyway I I just you know I was I'm just the the, the level at which I'm consistently disappoint, disappointed in music of this size is different than it used to be. Mm. You, you know what I mean? Like this was more rare where like even a Beyonce, you know, like she put out the visual album or whatever, but there was that crazy song with like the outcast horns on. It. I'm like, wow, this is really cool. This is really good. It's catchy. It's interesting. She sounds great. And I just think that it, it's just like those days are over now because everybody is trying to, to, to be first, to be different. And sometimes different isn't great, Jason. And that's, the, <laughs> that's the problem. Um, mm-hmm. that aside, I'm sure, you know, she'll make, t- she made $10 million last night. So, <laughs> you know, who am I, who am I to say? Um, we do have a guest today on the program. Uh, we're, we're crossing the pond this time to a different location. Beautiful Amsterdam, Jason. Mm-hmm. Um, to speak with uh, Yurt Jonkers, uh, who is the creator, uh, co-creator uh, of Fantastic Man, um, my favorite magazine of all time. Probably he also created The Gentlewoman, uh, whose editor, Penny Martin, we had on the show a while back. Uh, they do The Happy Reader, uh, which is which is uh, a partnership um, with, I believe, Penguin uh, about about books. And uh, But last but not least, he created But, the triple OG uh gay magazine mm. is is that a gay magazine yeah yeah i know it's crazy it's crazy because we like butts too you know what i mean and i don't really understand yeah i think it's funny <laughs> butt magazine is a classic publication i remember seeing it on the shelves and i think that was the first time where you you saw like a really cool artistic yeah no it's, exactly it was it was cool to, you're like oh this is sick exactly no it looked like it and i think that was like a stroke of genius and it's, again it's been around forever but also we found out that uh yurt is um was also a country music singer um, is something we discovered last night. So we're going to have to get into which that country. Because, I mean, it's a great question because if, you know, when we put together our um, how long gone by Brooks and Dunn uh, covers compilation, mm-hmm. um, you know, we're going to be obviously talking to, to a, a big family of artists, but maybe, maybe he'd be willing to participate. Yeah. Maybe we can pull the boots out of the, out of the wardrobe, dust them off, mm-hmm. get some honey in his voice. I, the, I did not know that he was a country musician and this is, we'll find, we'll see what that really means. You know what I mean? Uh, yeah, I don't, this, he's the, the Holland Luke Combs. <laughs> there's a umlaut over the U and Luke. <laughs> yeah. There's a umlaut. That's the only edit. Is <laughs> the yeah. Is the um is the umlaut, uh, but yeah, let's um let's let's cross the pond and and get into it. I'm sure he's got thoughts about the new Beyonce as well. All right, let's give. Uh, I'm let's sure give he does. Hirt Izum. Before we start, could you confirm how to pronounce your name, please, just so we get it correct? Well, I listen to almost every pronunciation in the world, but uh, <laughs> I mean, correct is Hirt. Hirt. Okay. 
I'm not going to be able to put that much sauce on it if we're being honest. So what about what about the last name though? And last name is uh, last name is like the area in New York, Yonkers. Yonkers. Okay, that's what I was wondering. Yes. Okay, Hert Yonkers. That's it. It's so fun to say for us guys with boring names. You know, what I mean, we got no sauce on our names. It's Chris Black is about as boring as it gets. You know. Yeah, but where where he lives, he might have a pretty pedestrian name himself, right? <laughs> I mean, it's a rare name, for sure. Okay. <laughs> I took a chance, and I was wrong. It's very old-fashioned, let's say that. Well, just to, to our American ears, you know, a name like yours, it could be, uh, you know, it could just be like being named Bob or, or Michael to us, for all we know. You know what I mean? Yeah. I was explaining yeah. to Jason, I mean, I was just talking about this workspace looks picturesque. Are you coming to us from Amsterdam, or are you, are you on location? Yes. Okay, you're in Amsterdam. No, this, is, this is the Amsterdam office, yes. How many offices we got? I mean, it's pretty much the only one. <laughs> okay. I like that. I like, I'm coming to the New York office. Yeah, that's our only office, but you know, that's, that's the one we got. I'm, I'm in, I'm in my Glendale house right now. <laughs> nice Pet Shop Boys poster. Thank you. It's a great Pet Shop Boys poster. It's his Peace Day Resistance. Yes. He's not much of an art collector, but that's kind of his one thing that he's got. I got more, I got more up than you do. You got a blank wall, dumbass. We're still in renovations, so we'll be renovating soon. So I've had to put the collection in storage and some of it's on loan of course to the museums ah, okay. right now and we love to podcast with you europeans because we get to start a lot earlier mm-hmm. you know what i mean we get to start but right now are you guys getting like the 20 hours of sun yes so what time are we talking about when is it really going down right now about 11 or 11 30 11 30 no it's amazing you, doesn't that fuck up your rhythm though what time are you going to sleep 11.30. I mean, I'm sure living there your whole life, you get used to it eventually, or maybe not. I mean, it's only a few weeks, you know. I mean, in in a while, it's sort of like four o'clock in the afternoon and it's dark. That's true. So um, it's all you can get. I mean, I feel like mm-hmm. that does lead people to behave in a wild way. Would you say that's true? Uh, no, no. I mean, <laughs> no. I feel like if, if the sun's up till 1130, I feel like a lot of partying is happening is all I'm saying. I feel like it leads people to really go crazy. I think it would lead me to go crazy. And if it goes dark at 4 p.m., that's when you start kind of picking up the opiates and <laughs> listening to some, yeah. some dark, dark mute. You put the Elliot Smith on and you mm. start cutting yourself, you know? A little bit. Yeah. Yeah. I <laughs> a little bit. A little bit. A little bit. A little bit. I mean, I didn't are you are you from Amsterdam? Are you from there originally or no? Not originally, no. I mean, I've been here for quite a while, but um I mean, it's a small country, you know, so yeah, if yeah. I say I'm from the other side of the country, that means an hour drive. You're an hour, a deep yeah, hour yeah, long yeah. drive into That's the that. Holland forests. <laughs> exactly. No, I'm from the, actually, <laughs> I was born in the exact center of the country. Not not for any particular reason, but uh, mm-hmm. they say it's uh, it's so much the exact center that there were all kind of weird suspicious seances going on in the, in the, in the, in the middle of the last century. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, uh, you know there, there are certain right-leaning political figures that are sort of interested in sort of this this symbolism of the center of the country etc in terms of pagan government ritual <laughs> so it has nothing to do with maybe like the norwegian like carpathian black metal type of thing and it's more almost okay a little okay not not that's that's pretty yeah. is this something that is like well researched and thought and and discussed or is it a little bit mythic no. it's mythic yes okay yes. So we so we have no proof, but you, but we like it. I mean, there's a little bit of proof. <laughs> there's some blurry photographs on TMZ <laughs> dot dot. 
I don't know what your website would be over have, there. Have you been to the Denver airport before? The Denver airport? No. Why would I? Well, I just, <laughs> I don't. How dare you ask me such a question? I apologize. No, it's because it's it's obviously it's it's not the same. But the Denver airport has this whole mythology around it that it's like this weird pagan ritual there's all these hidden hidden like meanings and like hidden tunnels and like there's all this stuff that that is apparently like satan worshiping and like it's a it's a, it's a very large airport sort of in the center of the country yeah mm, don't you know something we'll, we'll flag that but then underneath <laughs> it is supposed to be there we go a new world order stronghold for when we kill all the poor people and then the rich elite yes. will be in their bunkers underneath this airport and then when all the poor people are, are have perished then we can come back out and, and take over the world and really party without them and this is what QAnon or uh... <laughs> this is just no. some regular old government conspiracy theories because the yeah, whole airport regular. is decorated with like paintings they kind of took them all down but there's Freemasonry symbols all over the place, and there's mm-hmm. these vast murals, like hand-drawn oil paintings of like guy, like skeletons with machine guns, like wow. stepping on the skulls of children and stuff. It's, it's very. It was very. It was so crazy that it became like a thing people talked about, and then they had to tone it down a little bit because it was getting too hot. <laughs> um, it was, but it was pre QAnon. Great question. Yeah, are you? Do you guys have a lot of conspiracy theories over there? Yeah, it's growing. Where you're from? You know? Yeah, it's growing. It's growing. <laughs> okay, getting worse. <laughs> I Jason likes to flirt with conspiracy theories. I'm more of a realist myself, um, but but I I think they are fun to flirt with, especially if you keep in mind that most likely they're not true. Well, I mean, is that a question? <laughs> A good, that that is a good question. I like to ask, "What if?" You know, and then Chris, that kind of question confuses and scares him. You know, I, I didn't yeah. know that though. I didn't. I didn't know that the Denver thing is is famous here. So I'm glad we were able to share that with you. So um, we have uh, an uh, like I was looking at some of our podcast numbers yesterday, and in Denmark, where that's probably like our the country, the region where our largest fan base following is. Like we're ranked very highly over there in Denmark, and. And I don't really exactly know why. Are, is is Denmark? You know, do you, is it like a? Are they like a silly people? Do they? Is there a sense of humor, like a specific type of way that might latch on to ours? Is there any insight you can offer in them? No. Why would I know? <laughs> you you live closer to them than we do. Well, a little bit. A little bit. <laughs> I think more than a little bit. Okay, well, it is closer by. I don't know Denmark that well. It's a nice country. Mm-hmm. Um, they, I didn't know they were particularly funny, but um. that's that's what I'm concerned about. We're concerned that maybe they're taking mm-hmm. it differently than it's meant to be taken. Maybe you know because they don't strike me as very funny either. Those are your words, but over um, there where you guys, you know, where you are, it's, people are having a lot of fun. There's smiles and marijuana and dancing and everyone's enjoying life and having a good time. Denmark, maybe a little more sterile and cold, a little more serious. I don't know. Uh, That is true. I mean, it sort of, it strikes me whenever I'm in Denmark, it doesn't happen too often uh, (laughs) that people speak very loud in in public, which (laughs) which the Dutch do as well. Mm -hmm. You know, they're sort of on a train, they sort of scream. <laughs> okay, well, uh, well, if, okay, if, so that's a through line that would, yeah, that because Chris, I, that Chris will work with. Unfortunately, I am a loud talker, and I feel like you already picked that up. Um, and I appreciate the feedback, and we will take that into consideration as we move forward with the podcast. Um, 
Maybe that's the only reason they like it is because we're louder than the competition. That could be it. Yeah, no, that that's a very possible. <laughs> uh, so I was reading uh, an old little interview with you, and they asked you what the hardest part about being an editor in chief is, and you said dressing like an editor in chief, which I liked. And I wanted to ask Chris, and maybe he can kind of chime in because I think he sort of fancies himself an EIC whisperer a little bit, oh. and he he may already model his his wardrobe after one so so chris like what what do you okay. think your i, I want to get your take first and then and then have your kind of pepper in his insights i think it's very similar to how the the head of a of a fashion house would dress or a designer would dress it's very simple it's understated it's it's not flashy it's possibly monochromatic with maybe a, a either a very simple footwear or a little footwear with flair. You're you want to have the focus be on the clothes in the magazine, not the clothes on your body. Yes, that that is that's my take. I think that a lot of people's, or at least my favorite example of this, is probably well, a designer version would be Marc Jacobs when he was at Louis Vuitton, and it was he would make clothes for himself that were very simple and understated and like perfect. But those were those were just mm-hmm. for Mark, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. <laughs> Which I think is mm-hmm. is brilliant. But yeah, I think the editor in chief is that Yurt is that similar? Well, a little bit. I mean, I think in the case of Mark Jacobs, he was just sort of like closeted, dressed up person. Because I'm sure you know deep <laughs> deep in, deep inside he wanted to be who he is now. Yeah, that's possible. You know, yeah, one possible. day you're like, hmm, actually, I'm not this person. Um, I don't agree with you completely because I would. I think in an ideal world, I would dress uh, even more informally. Um, okay. So, and, and not that I dress particularly formal, but funny you're asking me now because yesterday's when the Milan Fashion Week ended and Paris starts, well, I go tomorrow. Mm-hmm. So I am actually in the midst of packing my suitcase. Mm-hmm. Sort of with this weather, it's nice to sort of walk around in a tank top and uh, and short shorts. And you think... Is that the right right message? And so it's a beautiful hot day out. Any other situation, you would just wear shorts and a t shirt, and and maybe some Birkenstocks or some light footwear, and you're comf- comfortable, casual. But then you, everyone's gonna be like, "Oh, that's the guy from Fantastic Man." Let's see what he's wearing. Just a tank top, huh? I was hoping for something a little bit better. Exactly, a little bit. I mean, and of course, you shouldn't listen to any of that. Exactly. I do remember having a meeting at Todd's once in, uh, in, in Milan and uh, Diego de la Valla, the, uh, the, the owner kind of looked at my shorts, which were basically uh, a boxer shorts or something. And, uh, and, and he didn't, he didn't approve clearly. Uh, <laughs> and you think like, Oh, maybe this is a bit awkward. So I don't know. You know, I continue to be sensitive for that kind of looks. Yeah, I, I understand. I understand. We, you know, when you live in California, this is something I'm suffering from as a newish resident. Is that like it's so hot that it's it feels ridiculous to put on you know a, a full look to do anything during the day. So much like you're saying, I'm basically in a five inch short and a t shirt or a polo and some sneakers and. It's it's very difficult for that to seep into every part of your life. Like we went to a, a premiere last night, and I wore shorts because it was just too hot. Mm. I just can't get out of it. But then you go back to New York, and people are still attempting to put on full looks in that kind of weather. Chris, did anybody comment on that? Because I used to, you know, a couple of years ago, I would be wear shorts to a formal event almost as an act of rebellion and <laughs> yes. narcissist. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> um, yeah. Sorry, nihilistic uh, <laughs> actions. 
And people would be like, oh, nice shirt. Like, are people giving you shit for it? Or do you, are you able to wear it so well that nobody can really hate on it? In my, in my, in last night, I think I was able to dress up the shorts with my, uh, Dree's, uh, snakeskin loafer, mm. which made people, I think that averts the eye from the quad Smart. to the foot. Yes. You know what I mean? So it kind of keeps people, you have to do a, a little mix, but I do think that the, the, I mean, when I see, I mean, when I look at pictures of Milan and, and and I know and I've been there and I know how hot it is this time of year, I'm just think it's ridiculous to try to wear all those clothes. Sure. sure. To have your pocket watch and your wool vest. <laughs> it's just cra- yeah, the wool jumper is it's just it's it's kind of crazy to me that it's so illogical, but that's just how people's brains are wired. Well, at least the audience doesn't wear that anymore. I mean, there was, mm-hmm. you know, 15 years ago, people would sort of like dress up with pocket squares and mm-hmm. and like like the blazers and everything. But um, bring my briefcase to go get the morning <laughs> coffee. Exactly, exactly. Well, that thanks, that has nothing in it. Thank God that's over. <laughs> thank God that's over. The twisty mustache has 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 bid us adieu. Thank God, even even at pity. But did you go to Pity this year or no? I didn't go to Pity. No, but I heard that they're they're still there. They are still there. And my, my a friend of a show who's uh Jacob Gallagher, who's the, the men's uh desk at the Wall Street Journal, he he re- reported on the fact that like these guys look even more ridiculous than ever because everyone else has gotten more casual <laughs> and they have maintained their look. And it's just like, guys, who are you doing this for? Like, what is the, but I've been told that a lot of those guys that really dress like that, they really look crazy. Like they're like regular guys that just have jobs and take the week off to go to pity. Like that's their hobby. Oh, yeah. They don't have anything to do with the business. Yeah. 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 That's yeah. I mean, the, there's people that attach their entire life's identity to the clothing that they wear. And you, if you take that away from them, then they have nothing. So they're going to keep wearing this terrible shit, you know? Yeah. No, it's, it's like the Venice carnival where people sort of, yeah. they're, they're sort of making their crazy dresses for a year and then they get to wear them for three days i mean that's exactly it <laughs> it's, it's exciting it's it's really funny to watch but i think that the casualness of la is is pretty insane like it's it's it kind of but that's amazing that's amazing about i mean i remember the first time i went to la in the in the i don't know how long ago but i was 19 i think 10 12 years ago kind of and i didn't bring any <laughs> shorts because i was you know I, I wore jeans and and long sleeve shirts and and blazers that was and cowboy boots that was my look uh, more than 12 years ago <laughs> and uh, and and I was I was really surprised to meet people there in shorts and it was liberating no i think mm. it's no no i i agree with you in it overall but i think on a day-to-day basis it becomes uninspiring because there's a little bit of it's not about the shorts and the t-shirts it's about the choice of what shorts and what <laughs> t-shirts that you see that be- that can become uh uninspiring to ah, say the least okay it's a ga- it's a gateway to laziness mm-hmm. and you have to stay sharp so are, are you still wearing a lot of cowboy boots here no, never no 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 that's uh that part of you is gone that was a short face and that was definitely gone yeah <laughs> i think yeah. the cowboy boot because uh, i'm from the south i'm from atlanta originally i think the cowboy boot is is something that is truly timeless but i have a hard time pulling it off i don't think i can do it you're too soft chris you're too soft <laughs> no I- <laughs> I might be too soft, and the way that you're shaking your head, Yurt, makes me less confident than ever before. So thank you for that. I don't think anybody can, to be honest. <laughs> really? 
What about women? What about women? Ah, uh, women's better actually. I think you know it looks quite good on women, but on men, I don't know. Mm-hmm. I don't see many examples that. Uh, I, no, I, I agree. Convince me. Making a magazine is. We've talked about it so many times on the show, but it's a it's a labor of love, and I you know I think that the um the what you guys specifically with Fantastic Man are so well known for are the are the covers and and kind of like how iconic they have become. The decision on the cover. I'm guessing is made at all different times depending on who and what it is. Is that fair to say? Or is it always kind of the same timeline? I mean, you guys have been talking about media more, so you, I'm sure you know. But it's, it's funny how many people don't realize what kind of power you have as a magazine maker. Mm. Uh, and I don't want to tone it down too much. But people very often say like, oh, it's, you know, it's great that you just think of who you want to put in the magazine and you, and you put them in a the magazine. It's like, ah, you know, of course you think, oh, let's put uh, this person on the cover and you do that. And it's like, well, that's not really how it works. Brad Pitt, that's a good idea. We should get him on the cover. Well, yeah. You think like, oh, isn't it amazing to put uh, Barack Obama on the cover? Mm-hmm. Or, uh, and, uh, and then, or people say like, oh, why don't you do that? It's like, well, you know, maybe that's not as easy as you think it is. But pe- people really think No, people that think. Yeah, that we have that power. I, it's, I like that they have that wonderful imagination. That's something that Chris and I hear all the time from friends and stuff, like guests that we should get on the podcast. Yeah, and, yeah, yeah. It's like, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, very similar. You guys should have Barack on. He follows you on Twitter. I mean, I'm sure it's not that hard. You yeah, know? yeah. I think Morrissey and Bjork would be great ideas. <laughs> uh, if you yeah. have their phone number, please let them know. Absolutely. <laughs> yeah. Bob Dylan, be nice. <laughs> Exactly. No, that's literally what it is. You're like, yeah, man, I I couldn't agree with you more. But it's that's not really how it works. No, you know? but this is you know we we chose a life of arts of the arts and media <laughs> and the rest of the world when we sit down at the Thanksgiving dinner table mm. or whatever your version of that is over there. They don't understand. You know, we have to hear an earful of it. Unfortunately, I really yeah. do. It's a small yeah. price to pay. You guys don't necessarily have to play the celebrity game. You only have to play it if you want to play it, which I think is a nice place to be. Mm. Where mm. Condé Nast, Hearst, they. If it ain't a celebrity, like they got problems. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. Like I'll, I will buy a Fantastic Man magazine if even if the person on the cover I've never even heard of them before because you know that they're in there for a reason and they're they're cool and interesting versus like you said any Condé Nast thing. No shade. That sort of cover <laughs> game is quite suffocating because mm. because yes, you know, I guess every magazine maker looks at uh, the moment Harry Styles was on the cover of Vogue because it's like the first man ever in a dress mm-hmm. on the cover of Vogue. Mm-hmm. So that has a has a life of like maybe two weeks or so. I would say I would say less to be honest. Yeah, being I, generous on, on on high end, yeah. I'm being generous here. Um, <laughs> so and that must be a nuisance because of course these are sort of like well planned in their own way. Oh for so sure. Like, yeah. This is like perfect timing and la 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 and that is a perfect cover for this moment yeah very very exhausting but also when once you have your first big celebrity on the cover i don't know if there's something that you've experienced but then does that that sort of on the downside you you have leveled up and you're like okay we have to keep getting this level of talent on the cover or better ideally so there's some pressure there of not getting any less popular famous people but then it's also you're able to use that as a stepping stone to get the bigger names like, see, I got, you know, I got Beyonce on the cover last month. If you think you're bigger than Beyonce, <laughs> then 
you know, you don't have to be on the cover, you know. So you get a little, it kind of goes both ways. I mean, it's it's funny, but, but, but the very first issue of Fantastic Man, which is what, 18 years ago now or so, I think, 17, we had Rupert Everett on the cover, the actor. And, uh, and then I remember the publicist calling me and said like, uh, oh, and we have an idea for your next cover, Mariah Carey. And, uh, <laughs> and, and we said, well... Ah, uh, interesting. Uh, I think she's amazing. Sure. But, uh, but you know, the second issue, Fantastic Man, Mariah Carey on the cover, isn't that a bit confusing? And then the publicist said, well, we'll call it Fantastic Woman then. Like, yeah, okay, well, yeah. You know what? You just do this. You just do this. I'm good. You, you, we'll sit back. Yeah, at the beginning stages, you have a vision that you want to stick with and a path that you're going down and Mariah Carey's going to fuck that up. But now you would have Mariah Carey on the cover, I'm assuming, right? Maybe, maybe, yeah. I mean... Uh, that's, a, that's a soft yes. I would entertain that idea a little bit longer now. <laughs> <laughs> that's a soft yes. Okay. We're, we're moving that into soft no now. I feel like you guys have done an interesting thing too as far as like making money as a magazine because it's like selling magazines, That that's one thing you can do, but I think the rest of it, like the happy reader is really interesting, like taking on those projects and being able to work with advertisers um, in a more meaningful way. I think you've done that with Gentlewoman as well. It's like that stuff is a real model kind of moving forward. And was that, is that just like natural to you? Did it make the most sense? I mean, I'm not sure if it's the, if it's the perfect financial model, to be honest. Uh, I mean, it works for us, but you know, it's not like we are, uh, yeah, I'm not flying to my own, uh, villa in Corsica. (laughs) That's what you're saying. No, no, I'm not saying that. I'm saying, I'm saying more that like, I think we see a lot of, a lot of bigger brands, bigger magazine conglomerates, you know, it's conferences and events and like that whole thing, which feels a little bit like, what am I paying for? Like, am I really going to learn anything here? Whereas I think you guys do stuff that just, it feels more authentic to both parties is what I mean. I mean, if it doesn't feel right, then it's maybe better not to do it, even though, you know, financially for, for the, for five seconds, it can sound attractive. No, of course, so of course. Making magazines only is quite a, probably quite a challenge. You know, that's why we, you know, we do, I, I write a newsletter mm-hmm. and uh, we do events sometimes, mm-hmm. but also because we think they're probably nice to attend and not some sort of <laughs> yes. like cynic, cynical situation. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, do you assign like a financial goal to that on the year's income? Or is it just like, if it, if it works out, it works out? Yeah, if it works out, it works out. I think we can, we can make the magazines with uh, advertisement we have. Mm-hmm. Uh, but, you know, I mean, it's, we've, we've had a couple of funny years behind us, of course, where, uh, of course, at the beginning of the pandemic, we were convinced that advertisement was over. I mean, why would anybody advertise if there are no shops to mm-hmm. sell things? Or, And I couldn't imagine anybody shopping online because you didn't need to go anywhere. <laughs> so why would you buy anything? You don't, Nobody needs to look fantastic for the last two years. Not really, no. <laughs> Plus, we had all the time to sort of look in our closets and actually find things that were still there with the hang with the, with the price tags on it. Yes. Rediscover, <laughs> rediscover. Still on it. So the initial reaction was like, <laughs> Oh, okay. You know, advertising must be over. Uh, and, and sort of like happy, I'm happy to report that that wasn't really the case. Mm-hmm. I think a lot of advertisers, a lot of brands are also very actively looking at different models than just uh advertisement no for sure but i think it's i think it's like i i just think everybody tries to do everything is kind of my point and i, sure. I think it's like exhausting yeah. i think that's one thing that like yeah. whatever you think of monocle's content i think that they've done such a great job of not diluting it and i think you guys do the same thing it's like hey this is kind of what sure. we do and like we'll we'll you know 
reach out here and there and we'll do some different things, but they all feel True. real. I mean, Monocle not having a fucking website and doing radio is insane. You know what I mean? But yeah. it feels yeah. it feels good. And whether you think it's insane or not, it would work for them for you know a bunch of reasons, of course. But I think that's the hardest thing to do for anyone. I mean, even for us, it's like, what can we do to increase revenue without diluting the brand? Should you do a, like one of those covers that's that's animated or should you guys have a fantastic man TikTok meme account you know all this stuff like it could help you in the short run but then your core audience who has been there for 17 years is going to be like well once they started doing TikToks I kind of realized that this this was not the fantastic man for me anymore I guess so yeah I mean that's what I would think if I was a reader yeah that that's that's kind of a struggle that I think about of like when you have a product that's been around you know almost 20 years and you have that core audience that's been there forever and you don't want to let them down, but you have to evolve and appeal to the younger demographic that the three of us are no longer on the cutting edge of anymore. And how do you kind of balance those two worlds out in your own unique way is is the real challenge. Do you think you guys are doing a good job at that? Is that a question? Yeah. <laughs> Or are you only making stuff for old people like us? <laughs> well, I mean, I, I, I always think I make we make things for ourselves. That's right. That's right. That's the answer we're looking for. Of course, but what happens when yourself is too old for for what your what your brand is? But I don't think it's about age. I think it's about taste and like being interesting and being interested in things. You know what I mean? Like I, I think if mm-hmm. you're if if you're fifty, but you you're still tapped in and you know what's interesting and you stay true to that, I think that kind of can carry yeah. through. But 19-year-olds are going to be like, you think that you know what is cool and you think you are tapped in, but what you are tapped into is no longer relevant to my generation. I don't think you need... I don't think Fantastic Man needs 19-year-olds. I mean, they're welcome. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, I agree. They're welcome. I'm saying I don't <laughs> think that like... I don't think that every person is the target no. like anything else. Yeah, I mean, well, eventually at some point you guys are going to be 90 years old and you're yes. not going to be making a magazine for 90-year-olds anymore. No. Well, I mean, but obviously we're not making the magazine alone. And you know, yes, it's yeah. it, it's important to have uh, uh, a team of editors and uh, you know friends around us and designers that... Uh, you need fresh blood. Yeah, exactly. No, and it's, and it's, mm-hmm. it's great to work with young people. I mean, that's a massive cliche but uh no it is i, I agree with you we got to keep them around we got to keep them around yeah chris has a stable <laughs> stable of young men i feel i feel like you might have a bigger stable than me of young men i could be wrong <laughs> who's to say <laughs> i don't want to get into i don't want to argue about it you know what i mean i don't want to argue about it do you think you have a do you think you have a like a level of media training do you think that you have like a set of rules for when you're interviewing someone or being interviewed that you try to stick to or are you kind of um fast and loose in the world no i don't i don't try to follow any rules for that mm-hmm. for for doing interviews i think we've we've always stuck to a certain rules i don't feel like they change very fast mm-hmm. you know i think it's very important to to speak to people on a on an equal level i i really don't like it to sort of have to excuse yourself as an interviewer for the first 3 minutes of being amazingly honored that somebody took the <laughs> incredible effort to uh to, yes. to answer a few questions you know I, I i don't you know even though i'm pleased that people do i think it's a you know i think a good interview is a is an equal conversation and it's a mm-hmm. it's very difficult to do a good interview if the there's no mutual interest in a way and i don't expect people to be completely aware of 
my past and and everything I've written in the past. Mm -hmm. But if you do an interview and people just blank and are just sitting there to answer questions, I find that difficult. So, so I, I think the equal level is uh, is important, and there are small rules, you know, just journalistically that. Uh, I never like it to have interviews take place in a photo studio because I think that just feels like it's a like a little thing tagged on. I mean, just notice. I agree. I agree. So in in especially in style and fashion magazines, like every other interview describes the scene in a photo studio, and I immediately know, okay, this is not an interesting interview because it's something that needed to happen while the while the makeup was being applied. So <laughs> so you know, and just even though you know, in reality. Occasionally, not very often, but sometimes it happens that you know that's the only moment where we can interview people. But you don't have to mention mm -hmm. that. Yeah, exactly, you know, exactly, just, exactly. Just, just write it out. <laughs> just you know, sort of like edit it out. Don't say that. Yeah, I'm a big fan of editing. Oh, totally. <laughs> it's huge. Editing is the is is half of the magic. I agree. We encounter this sometimes on this show because we we do so many interviews. We encounter people who have we have asked they have agreed to come on the show they probably have friends you know have come on the show they've never listened which we kind of like honestly because then it's a little bit more fun it's a little more of a surprise i think that with with a magazine especially as far as long as you've been around most people are going to take the time to google it and see what it's all about and maybe read an interview or two i i was in uh, i interviewed gore vidal once wow and uh, <laughs> this was this was for our other magazine but and uh, and he started by saying, "You say butt? I mean, as in b u t t, <laughs> as in culo? Is that? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Culo." And he was like, hmm. <laughs> 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 and, uh, and he, he seemed That's a little bit puzzled about it. But then he did the same interview as he always did. I think because he sort of like had a library of of anecdotes that he uh he sort do you, of do you like it when people do that no not at all no i mean anecdotes are almost forbidden oh that's another uh that's another rule rule in the in editing i think with someone like gore vidal it's like a little bit like you want him so bad that it's probably okay you know what True. i mean because of True. who he is and what he's done no and it's amazing i mean i was i was still thrilled to meet him and talk to him yeah we we've had like when we had ian schrager on this podcast a while ago you could tell every response to every question has been uttered mm -hmm. thousands of times over the last 50 years yes so that part is a bummer to hear some you know these or orchestrated responses but when they're so good yeah and there's you know and they're so honed you're like uh, you know it's like seeing a bob dylan show where you're like exactly i've heard it a thousand times but it's just so good you know fuck it. i would say with ian or with certain people like that that are kind of like a legend status uh, for us too i think there's a little bit of like an educational thing going on where maybe like a lot of our listeners either know a little bit about him or definitely haven't heard these anecdotes before so I don't feel as bad, you know. Mm -hmm. It's like it's kind of it's kind of fine. If you're playing the hits and the hits are good, then it's okay. Well, it's that it's that mysterious thing that I never wanted to, or the, a rule that we never wanted to follow in Fantastic Man or any of our other magazines. But people basically only want to know and hear things that they know already. I mean, that's the reason why mm. Titanic is the most popular subject for books. Uh, <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. Because you know, it's not like there's never been any other boat who sank. <laughs> Uh, but people love the story. People love to read a story that they know the end of. People love a cover of a magazine that is the exact same cover as they did last year. You know that famous 
research that they did, right? That I think <laughs> a magazine like L or so republished the same cover and it sold better the second time. So. <laughs> yeah, no, no, I know. It's, it's fucking crazy. People, you're right, people you're love right. things they're familiar with. And I hate that. It's so lazy. It's so, it takes away the, the spark of something new, you know? And there's so many magazines, there's so many movies, there's so many books out there. I would never want to repeat. But but you you know you're unique in that sense. <laughs> oh, don't gas him up. Don't don't do that. Don't gas. <laughs> Thank you, you're, Thank you very much. Oh, you're so unique, Jason. I'm not like the other consumers. <laughs> um, so when, whenever we have musicians on the show, we have a thing where we talk to them about syncs, which are like commercial music deals for some of their songs. And I feel like you you might have some of that as well. So we we, we like to have people talk about maybe a story where a brand or an advertiser came on and said, hey, we want to do this. And they either said yes and made a lot of money and regretted it, or they said no and lost a lot of money and regretted it. So have you had uh, any situations like that over the years where you had to kind of say yes in a, in a desperate time of money needing or say no and it came back to be like, eh, I should have done that. I could have bought my summer house. Um, God, that's a that's a hard one. I don't think we've been very close to <laughs> signing the Beatles or anything like that. <laughs> um, no, you know, no, you know, like they're like for one, like one band, they were like a straight edge vegan band, and they got asked if Kentucky Fried Chicken wanted to use one of their songs for a, a quarter of a million dollars, and they said no. <laughs> and now that he's like in his fifties, he's like. Eh, <laughs> can i think of one i can't think of one i think never had to do you know h&m wants to do a 10 page spread something like that we've done six pages of h&m in the magazine he <laughs> <laughs> okay, okay. said h&m is no problem you guys call me anytime anytime but we uh but you know we shot it and it was uh and it was quite a fun fun project okay the power of having a magazine like this is people want what you have they want you to make them look cooler and they're going to let you do as you wish with their product because that's better for everybody i don't know i mean i, I also don't really it's good to be quite shameless i think as a you know hell yeah as, as a journalist you have to be shameless mm -hmm. in a way because you very often have to make a fool of yourself <laughs> uh, to jump through all kinds of hoops maybe with a little, a little sense of shame uh and uh and then you know too bad <laughs> we embarrass ourselves three times a week on this podcast it's no problem i have no shame i have no shame in that i guess so do you listen to podcasts yourself here i listen to one uh, uh podcast which is a political podcast here in the netherlands because uh, if i ever mm -hmm. would need to switch uh, jobs i think i'd love to be a political uh, correspondent or so i mean no not really i don't want to i don't want to work in that but i love listening to politics you like so you like you like the action and like the constant chatter around it or you really care about the issues both i think i mean but but i like the okay i like the power game around it i mean i think one of my favorite books is uh, Catherine graham's uh, personal history because it's such a fascinating okay. story of the of the incredible power she and her husband had around the presidents that they uh, they had around them. Mm -hmm. We we had a, a somebody on last weekend, and he was talking about how when he was he's an older guy, and he was talking about in the seventies, eighties, nineties, culture was sort of defined by music, like music was sort of the driver for the zeitgeist and the monoculture in the world, and now uh, it's been replaced by politics and and streaming television. Mm -hmm. Do you uh, what do you think uh, about politics itself being kind of the main driver of culture nowadays in the world? You think that's healthy or unhealthy? Oh, I think it's definitely unhealthy. Um, <laughs> same, same. Yeah, 
I mean, it's 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 a, it's a driver of news probably more than it ever was. I mean, although I can't really compare it to the 1960s or 70s, there was a lot of uh, political drama as well. Definitely, surely the world was more interesting when music was driving uh, drive, driving culture. I think. I wonder the difference. I mean, here it's obviously completely insane, which I'm sure you're very aware yes. of. I'm sure. Yeah, the political which... world in America is less fun oh. to keep up with, I, I'm assuming, than yeah. what you have going on over there. No, it's a, interesting you say that because I used to subscribe to, to, New, to The New Yorker. Uh, uh-huh. I, think when, I, I think at the time when Bush was uh, still there and, and Obama was being voted in, I mean, that was a super exciting time it was a very to sort of see the, the possible shift and, you know, Graydon Carter in, in Vanity Fair was amazing every month you know his his letter My from king. the editor was kind of like sort of mm-hmm. going wild out on uh, on everybody in the in the bush mm-hmm. administration and then of course when uh when when trump got elected it was, i just stopped reading any american uh smart publication smart. because it was unbearable <laughs> yeah yep. no it's still unbearable and it, yeah. i feel like unfortunately that might be the future like i don't see it becoming better anytime soon because just everything is so divisive you know what i mean there's no it's becoming harder and harder to stay apolitical in america yeah yeah it's 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 like i mean a lot of people though are, are in your camp but they they live here that are just like i can't digest any of this anymore hmm. so do you think that music doesn't have that role anymore at all i think that music specifically is too we're too fragmented and we have too much access where people only pay attention to the minutia that they want to pay attention to. You, you know what I mean? I think what Bob, the, the guest that Jason's talking about, I think what he was saying is like, there's, there were things like hippies, you know what I mean? And the things that went with that, there were these things that were so big and just so kind of all encompassing and the music that went with that, whether it's the Beatles or the stones or whatever that can't exist now, really. Like, Harry Styles is, I guess, like pretty close to that in some ways, but like also incomparable in other ways because there's no movement attached to it. It's just strictly like, this sounds good, this looks good, I like it. Mm. Mm. I, I think that music used to be, you know, a, your identity, and now it's an accessory to your life and the content mm-hmm. that you're creating. Mm-hmm. True. For your own personal brand. So people used to use music as a way to connect with other people, have an artistic release into the world. And now people look at music as how can I use this for me to make my life, my my presence bigger, my social media following grow, whatever. We use this example a lot on this show, but it's like, you know, when you're, when I was like a, you know, 13 year old chubby suburban teenager and I would go to the beach with my parents if I saw a kid with a Smith shirt on, I would approach him and be like, bro, this is crazy. You like the Smiths too? Like that kind of shit doesn't happen anymore because everybody can like any everything mm. and there's no barrier of entry. Yeah. And some people think that's good. I think it can be good. I think that there's – um, I just am either nostalgic or also – I, I think I'm – the fact – the amount of work I had to put in to, to like what I liked at that age and how that's informed my life – is it seems so big to me that the fact that that is no longer a reality for young people mm-hmm. is like hard to, a little bit hard to comprehend mm. I, I think there's an attention span mm. uh, or attention deficit attached to it now that we have videos and phones and screens and tiktoks and everything like that like obviously like books and the reading of them has declined because it's so much more difficult to pay attention to them compared to our our iPhones. Yes. And I feel like it's kind of the same thing with music where people used to just be like, I'm okay with going home, 
putting on a record and listening to it or going for a drive and listening to an album and now that's not enough to capture attention anymore. I need to have a visualizer and there's a dance attached to it and it has to be a, a McDonald's happy meal. Well, it's interesting that what you're saying about sort of like talking to other Smiths fans is the equivalent of, uh, equivalent of that today for 13-year-olds is standing in line in front of a Supreme shop. Mm-hmm. Yeah, <laughs> like no, being, for, for sure. Be, be, being, being part of that group and sort of like being with your... Uh, Buddy. Yeah, no, yeah, 100%. finding your tribe, but but the Smiths tribe is based around you know poetic, heartfelt, artistic music and lyrics that are life changing. And then the the common bond between people waiting in line for Supreme is like, oh, you also have a StockX account and you plan on <laughs> selling this for four times as much as you're going to pay for it, or you're buying these sweatpants so somebody doesn't beat you up at school for being a loser or something. Yeah. You know? Yeah. I remember the first time in Soho, like seeing like a 14-year-old kid that just looks so young and his mom buying him like a $900 Gucci sweatshirt, like that was normal. You know what I mean? And I'm just like, what an asshole. Everybody involved in this is an asshole. And it was like stunning to me. But that is what kid, like, it's the equivalent of me asking my parents for $20 to buy a CD. It's literally like, I need $900 for this hoodie. You're stunting the growth of this child's development. for the. You're f- affecting the course of their life forever by doing that. I, I don't know. Turn, you're just instantly going to turn them into an asshole douchebag. Exactly, hmm. exactly. But I mean, I don't know if... Yeah, I mean, yeah, maybe we're three old guys yelling into the void. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? But I also think these are realistic... They're not realistic, but real kind of uh, observations on this stuff because I do think things evolve in a way and change where like it's it's crazy for us to think, but something as big and as universal as music has taken a backseat to basically consumerism and 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 streaming television. Yeah, yeah, and streaming. T- I mean, I don't know if it's the, it's quite the same in your world, but like Jason and I joke all the time about like how long is it going to take before people start talking about what show they're watching at this party. Because that's all people talk about now. Yeah, like when you go out to dinner with your friends and you're like, oh, I did this and blah, blah, blah. How are the kids? And then, are you guys watching this show right now? And then as soon as that happens, just time of death, 4.35, this conversation's over. Like, I might as well ask for the check now. Yes. We talk about that. Like, we, we Jason and I have developed a friendship with Brett Easton Ellis, who was on your cover years ago, a classic. But Brett wants to talk about TV with us because that's his, like, business. You know what I mean? He like wants to know what we're talking about. And it's like, oh, that's like a different way to engage in it versus like we've run out of things to talk about. Isn't Stranger Things sick? You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. 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 Because it's a, it's a, it's just a big part of our life now. Is it? TV wasn't such a big part of our life. Well, I think so. I mean, after after the quarantine for two years, we've really become addicted to our shows and the fact that there are always going to be more shows there. You never find the end of the shows. Mm-hmm. It's a bottle that you can't stop sucking the, the nipple of. I don't watch the shows. You don't watch any, you don't, you don't participate in streaming services. No. So if that conversation uh, is started, I'm definitely asking for the check because, uh, <laughs> because I have, I, I just have no clue. Yeah. Well, you're, you're the, the few, the proud, I wish there were more people like you. So if you're at home, you're you're reading or you're listening to music or you're socializing, you're not going to flip on the tube for a couple hours to decompress. I flip on the tube, but I watch the news or I watch the sort of like, uh, mm-hmm. you know, people talking to each other. Uh, the sort of the sort of TV version of this podcast, but um. sure, sure. 
I mean, I mm-hmm. I wish honestly, I I wish I had the power to do that. I am I am helpless. It's because I feel the need to participate so that I can then participate in the conversations. It's not that the shows are drawing me in that strongly. Mm. I, w- I would love I would love America to have shows where people are talking to each other that were good. Yeah. But they're just yeah. there really aren't any and you have to you know, that's why like Joe Rogan is the biggest person in America for all of his faults. He's also one of the only people that is actually doing it. You can't you know, you're not going to watch Gore Vidal in conversation with Johnny Carson mm-hmm. or Charlie Rose, for that matter. Yeah, <laughs> yeah Charlie Rose. Yeah. Char- yeah, any of these people or Letterman. You know, you're going to watch Jimmy Fallon talk to a TikTok star, and they're going to play a game. <laughs> you know, like a they're going to play a fuck Twister. You know, and <laughs> yeah, yeah. there's no and mm. you know, yeah. Or, or if you watch any news channel, it's just yeah. gar- you know mindless garbage. But I think that that's. Part of the reason, and this reaffirms that, Yurt, is that, that, you know, this is maybe why podcasts have risen in popularity in some ways. You know, maybe there is an appetite for people to want that kind of thing. Clearly. And it just, because of the, but the budgets and kind of the, 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 the scale of television, it hasn't reached that again in America. Mm-hmm. And I'm able to listen to these conversations in my headphones while i'm doing other things because my attention span has been destroyed by my cell phone i can't just sit down in front of a tv and watch two guys talk to each other i'm going to lose my mind but if i can you know do the dishes Mm -hmm. take the dogs out for a pp while i'm listening to this wonderful convo Mm -hmm. then my attention span is is satiated and this is why we pod yurt yeah exactly well i'm happy you do i hope i hope this inspires you to podcast more in the future I've been thinking about it, funnily enough, you know, for, I mean, of mm-hmm. course, you know, lot, lots of people have thought about it, but I'm always scared to sort of start and then realize after five weeks that it's, uh, that it's quite a lot of work. I think it looks very easy to people. Um, and in some ways it is, you know what I mean? If, you, if you're good at having a conversation, you enjoy it, that part is easy. I think that we're in a lucky position because Jason is technically very talented That's good. and is able to do that side of things. But I also think that we had no expectations when we started this. I think when you're coming at it as a brand, it's like this shit has to be as good as the magazine. Exactly. Feel as good, look as good, you know, and that's, mm-hmm. yeah. that's and a different you're already busy enough as it is. Well, also that, sure. Yeah, so you sometimes think like, oh, that's a, you know, I can do that on the side, sort of chit-chat a little bit with people. But of course, it's not really that. And Mm -hmm. we've seen it a lot with magazines as well, where people think like, oh, okay, you know, this is what they do. (laughs) You know, especially I think when Fantastic Man started was like, oh, a couple of black and white pictures, uh, (laughs) you know, some Q&As with people. You just let the tape rolling and you transcribe it and you put it on a page. Mm -hmm. And then, you know, those magazines exist for one or maximum two issues. And then they realize that it's more Mm -hmm. work than that. So I I also realize that in something as delightfully simple as a podcast is that mm-hmm. yes you know there's a there's a, a magical magic ease to it but um the way the way that yeah. you guys do the newsletter i really like i think the cadence is good i think the information is good but i also think that Thanks. that kind of putting older stuff or stuff that people don't have access to online is is a real that's a real reason to subscribe you, you know what i mean it's like okay yeah, I'm going to get the dispatch mm. and I'm going to, there's some cool stuff in here, but there's also going to be things that like I either didn't know existed or I didn't have access to. And I think that's a nice value proposition. And I think figuring out what that is for a podcast would, 
lead to success you know it's called patreon <laughs> yeah yeah i mean <laughs> magazine subscriptions are just patreon like here's the free shit on the website here's the other shit that you got to pay for here's the good yes stuff. yeah one one last question are there any are there any new magazines that we should know about i'm a pretty avid reader and collector and you know i i do have the new comeback issue of but friend of the show yes. left it for me when he stayed at my apartment the beautiful <laughs> pink paper is returned yes um is you know? Is there are there things that that you know I I should be aware of that I might not be anything that's caught your eye? A new magazine that you're that you wish you made yourself, maybe. <laughs> a new magazine, God, that's a hard one. Do you know that French magazine L'Etiquette? Yeah, of course. Yeah, I love I love Gautier. He's yeah. so good. He's great. Yeah. I think that yeah. magazine that's a good example. And if not brand new because it's like four years old, I think. But uh, hmm. I mean, it's very strict in its style because it's like everybody looks exactly the same in that magazine but uh but that's also very interesting about it yeah i love that i think he's got such great taste and it's like i that didn't exist like kind of like a men's independent fashion magazine that feels like pretty current um i i it speaks to i like him and i, I like what he likes so it speaks to me so it's not the not the newest idea. Sorry. <laughs> no, no, no. It, well, you do, because you did it first. <laughs> I'll hate myself for forgetting somebody because, you know, in an hour's time, I'm like, oh, wait. So, well, I'll email you if I. Uh, no, it's okay. No, it's okay. You can, e- you can email me. Uh, but I think that the, um, I think that that, yeah, I think that's a good, that's a good example. But thank you for chatting with us today, Yurt. Uh, we had a, pl- it was a pleasure. Pleasure. And, um, like I said, we, I'm a longtime reader, so it was really nice to talk to you. And I know, we had Penny on the show as well, which was a blast. So mm-hmm. we're trying to check off all the boxes. We got the staff going over there. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah, thank you again. We appreciate it. Great. Thank you very much. It was a pleasure talking.